Welcome to Locked On NFL, the number one daily podcast on the National Football League. We're on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can find all of the programs here on the network on all of your favorite podcast apps. Every team covered going deep into all of the free agent signings, Matt. Day one of tampering was insane. I am Brian Peacock alongside former NFL scout Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. It was madness yesterday. Some huge blockbuster trades, Matt, that we will definitely get into today. We're not going to be able to cover every move because there was just flat out too many for us to hit here in around 30 minutes. Uh, But I'd like to start with the latest news that we're already getting here Tuesday morning that involve quarterbacks. And I guess number one's got to be maybe the greatest player of all time in NFL history. The greatest quarterback, six rings, Tom Brady officially announcing on Instagram he is not coming back to New England. And that's the key. It's now it's official. You know, like there's been so much speculation. We've talked about where his possible landing spots could be. Always someone hesitantly, though. You know, you always knew that him and Belichick might get back together. And and I don't look at this necessarily. Maybe I'm crazy or naive. I don't look at this as this terrible breakup. I mean, they were awesome together for so many years. Some of our listeners probably don't remember the Patriots before Brady. And he wants to go play somewhere else, and maybe they're not giving him tons of money, and they want to try some new things. Fine. You know, I mean, (laughs) all good things must end. And we'll really have to break down what that domino means for the Patriots, who might end up there. One quarterback who is not going to end up in New England is Teddy Bridgewater. He has signed a three-year, $60 million. as the latest news I've seen here as we get ready to record today. It was just happening as I was hitting record. Three years, $60 million for Teddy Bridgewater. In Carolina, who coincidentally have allowed Cam Newton to seek a trade that, according to Cam, was not his idea. See, okay, again, I'm gonna all week. I'm gonna tell you we're recording this at noon on Tuesday because so much happens so quick and so many things change. But the Bridgewater has been really rumored to Carolina and especially to Tampa. And maybe I'm reading the tea leaves too much, but if I were Bridgewater, I'd rather be a starting quarterback of the Bucs than the Panthers. And my hunch is the Bucs said, we got TB12 coming, so thanks for your time, but we're going to move on. Do you think that's looking into it too much? I think you have to look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the, the massive favorite right now for Tom Brady. And, and I could see the fit. It's it's hard to wrap your brain around Brady in another uniform, and especially that Bucks uniform. By the way, aren't the Bucks changing their jersey a little bit this year? So maybe it's a, really probably. a brand new. It's going to look like an expansion situation because it'd be like, oh wait, Brady's in this uniform, and I've never even seen that uniform before. Um, but it would seem, but there's still some openings. The Las there Vegas are. Raiders signed Marcus Mariota, so unless there's a trade of Derek Carr, that that's not looking like the situation for Tom Brady anymore. And it, it, it was starting to look like it wasn't going to be that way anyway. It's Chargers, it's Colts, and it's Tampa. Like, that's it. The 49ers chose Garoppolo. The Titans chose Ryan Tannehill. So those are the three options, and it's looking more and more like, man, Tampa Bay is for real here. Yeah, a couple things. And I, I want to get back to the Teddy signings. I don't want to just brush over that. It's a big deal, too. He's their starter now, and Newton's going to be on the move. But, you know, again, noon on Tuesday – I've been saying all along with the the Brady situation, the most interesting facet to me is what does Belichick do? Does he go trade for Cam and try to get like an athletic profile at that position now? Does he go trade for Dalton? 
or possibly Carr or somebody to run a similar scheme and be an executor and a facilitator. Um, I still think that the Chargers would be a great landing spot for Brady. And again, there's a lot of dominoes there. I mean, I, you keep hearing Rivers to the Colts. I think Brady probably ends up in T-Bay. And then what happens to Jameis? Is he the guy without a chair? Could Carr then go to Oakland? You know, like it's not done yet is, all, is my only point. Because there's a lot more ripple effect once the Brady news comes out. And it's going to be fun. So as for Teddy, I'm going to sound like I'm kind of cutting on him because I think he's maybe my least favorite of these guys. And I think he's a good player, not a great player. And I think they're trying to put a competent team together. Russell Okun, Bridgewater, good players that they've added, but they're still rebuilding. And I'm not saying they're tanking or anything like that, but their quarterback might be Justin Fields or Lawrence or somebody to be named later. Or even Herbert. Right, yeah. It's it's kind of odd because... The Panthers are in a situation where it's pretty much obvious to everybody that they're in some sort of a rebuild, call it what you want, tank job, a teardown. And ideally you want it to happen quickly. You don't want this to last years and years and years. The Bridgewater signing, I don't know if it really helps it. Maybe, you know, like you said, they'll be competent still with their quarterback situation, but it doesn't seem like a three-year deal. 20 million is not top of the market money, so you're not saying this is our guy guy but you're paying him a lot and he's going to be there for a while and he's going to start some games for you. And it also makes me feel like they have a pretty good idea that they can trade and maybe already have a trade ready for Cam Newton, but that other domino of Brady and maybe Rivers or something like that has to fall first. And and Newton's tough just because of the medical. And in today's day and age, you're not going to bring him into New England and check him out either. You know, like Cam's a little bit in a bind and Carolina's in a little bit of a bind. Maybe they have to hold him for you know until camp opens or whatever because he has to prove that that Liz Frank is healthy and he's had some other injuries so that one makes it tough but I still think if right he's got a lot of football in him and a lot of high quality football in him and and I keep rooting for Cam or Jameis to go to the Chargers I mean I think that's the most fun landing spot for high you know for fantasy and high high powered excitement I don't want to spend too much time on the quarterbacks here because there's so much to get into from what happened Monday after we finished recording. But Teddy Bridgewater, no matter what ends up happening with him and how good of a player he is, his story of of his ability to come back because his career was really almost ended with how bad that injury was for him. And I liked him coming out. So it's really cool to see him get his shot finally and be a starting quarterback somewhere. So rooting for Teddy for sure. Oh, yeah. And I feel like I'm cutting on him a lot. I just didn't love him coming out of school. I haven't seen much to change my opinion. I think he's a tremendous backup, low-end starter tier. And I think that's what Carolina wants, you know. And um, he's more than just a Fitzpatrick bridge guy. And there's more upside there. But I, I, he wouldn't be my choice. And I think with the way Matt Rule's trying to build that thing, I think he's looking at, okay, who are the best people we can bring in to build a culture? And that seems like a Teddy move. Yeah, good call. Absolutely. Oh, we just went, maybe the biggest quarterback news here. My hero just signed a fresh deal Tuesday morning with the Detroit Lions, Chase Daniel, three-year contract. (laughs) And man, this guy, I don't know how he does it. Chase Daniel, he's appeared in 65 games over his 10-year career. He's going to get a three-year, $13 million contract from the Detroit Lions. I just wanted to throw that out there for the 34-year-old. 
Yeah, good for him. <laughs> it's a good gig if you can get it. I mean, how many times has he gotten hit? How many snaps has he taken in his career? And how many millions does he have in the bank for generations to come to enjoy? Good for him. I mean, I could see if you're the Lions, you want a quality backup considering Stafford's back situation. But I don't usually – I am I haven't agreed with what the Lions have done in a while. Yeah, yeah. From the Lions side, I don't know. But Chase Daniel, good for him, man. Good for you. We're obviously not going to be able to get into everything in detail that happened. And later next week, we'll go, we'll go team by team, division by division, whatever, and hit these a lot deeper. But there's tons of massive trades that we definitely have to dig into on today's show, Matt, and some other major signings around the league next. I don't even know how to put these things in order, Matt. So I'm going to go just alphabetical order with teams, and it's perfect because the Arizona Cardinals made probably the most shocking move that we saw Monday, and it was shocking more from the team they traded with and then Arizona. I totally get it from the Cardinals' perspective, but DeAndre Hopkins acquired in a trade by the Arizona Cardinals along with a fourth-round draft pick. They gave up David Johnson, a 2020 second-round pick, and a 2021 fourth-rounder to get back all-pro wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins and a fourth-round draft pick. This one blows my mind. The stones on Steve Kime to say, you know what, and we want a fourth-round pick along with Hopkins here and not just run with that deal. Uh, I mean, amazing and a complete Let me think on it. Throw in a fourth and you got a deal. (laughs) Yeah, and Bill O'Brien's like, yeah, you know what, you got me. I really want that uh, fantasy football stud from 2013. Right. I mean... The initial report came, David Johnson traded to the Texans. And I thought, oh, good, good for the Cardinals. They, they might get a pick out of this, a late pick, and get him off the books. And Drake will be the guy. They just put a tag on him. Okay, good for them. I mean, they wanted to get rid of this guy. He's a, a boulder on their cap. And maybe I'm selling Johnson a little bit short because I li- he was my first pick in fantasy, and I picked like seventh last year. So just a year ago, I adored the guy. But now let's say he's in my doghouse, too. I mean, he was bad. Yeah. But, I mean, he's hit that age, too. I mean, so anyway, to get Hopkins out of this deal at that price and not kill you with picks, I mean, from I'm, gonna, I'm not going to defend Houston. They got mugged in this deal. But they were hurting for picks. They had a running back need. Apparently, Hopkins wasn't getting along with O'Brien. I mean, None of that's a good enough reason, and it's obviously a very good wide receiver draft. Maybe they thought they could get Amari. I heard rumblings. Maybe they would call Antonio Brown. You know, holy smokes, like you don't think Hopkins gets along with your coach? And to your point yesterday or earlier this last time we talked, I think, was this is the move that when you don't have a GM, this is what happens. It's amazing. Yeah, the Houston Texans yeah. need a GM, and Bill O'Brien's pretty much ruining this thing. He's already traded for three different running backs, has no draft picks because of other trades he made for Laramie Tunsil. Uh, just very short-sighted moves there, and you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins might not have been seeing eye-to-eye with Bill O'Brien. Well, now there's 52 other guys on the roster that aren't seeing eye-to-eye with Bill O'Brien. And <laughs> right. from what I can tell from every single media member, fan of any team in the NFL, let alone Houston Texans fans, the only people I could see that are okay with this deal are Bill O'Brien and David Johnson, who's might get a chance to, to be a starter here because he looked really washed up last year and he's been under four yards per carry 
two years straight, and he's just not that same guy he was, and he was fantastic and a great player. Maybe if he somehow gets back to that form, this deal can be salvaged, but it doesn't make sense at all. David Johnson shouldn't be looked at as a trade asset. He should have been someone who hurts your deal if you throw him in. Right, I thought so too, or at least, hey, Johnson for a six-round pick. All right, we have a ton of cap space. I'll take a chance on a guy that looked pretty good recently, but that's in running back years, that's not very recent. I still think he can be an effective receiver. And I do think from the, I think he played hurt for a great deal of last year, but before he got hurt, no yards after contact, no, no dramatic plays. I mean, so I, best of luck. I mean, even frankly, even if Johnson was at the height of his powers, this is a bad deal. Right. And from the Arizona Cardinals perspective, it's perfect for what they're trying to do. Oh. I had talked about how with that eighth pick in the draft, a lot of people throw C.D. Lamb or a wide receiver in there for them, mostly because of that Lamb-Kyler Murray connection from Oklahoma. And I was like, nope, still OT. Even though they re-signed one of their offensive tackles, they need to go offensive tackle there. And they've really set themselves up now. And they have DeAndre Hopkins to go with Kyler Murray. They still have a slew of other wide receivers, including Larry Fitzgerald, still there. You add that offensive tackle to help yourself on the offensive line, solidify that, and now you're off and running with Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Yeah, absolutely. And they're going to be the hot team. I mean, by stock and Kyler Murray. I mean, he's going to be third quarterback taken fantasy. I mean, like the hype might get a little crazy, but uh, I can see why. I mean, it's an intriguing situation. I also thought there was an outside chance in the first round. They may have ended up with Brown from Auburn, but then they signed Phillips, who's a big, similar defensive tackle type. So they're addressing needs, setting themselves up for that first round tackle. And I'm excited about the Cardinals, too. Let's move on to the Atlanta Falcons. And this just a quick note. I apologize. Yeah. I love Deshaun Watson, but I really hope he doesn't turn into Matthew Stafford. You know, like really good career dragging a bad organization and situation behind them like like an anchor i'm if i'm deshaun watson i would ask for a trade yesterday as soon as i saw that go down like that because you know you're on a rudderless ship and that's a scary place to be and deshaun watson absolutely deserves more than that i agree with you fully yeah i kind of feel bad for him and i worry about his career path luckily for us here a lot of teams that are high on the uh, alphabetical list here made some big trades yesterday let's get to the Atlanta Falcons and the Hayden Hurst move they acquired Hayden Hurst from the Ravens uh, along and this is what's awesome about this trade is that apparently Hayden's Hurst Hayden Hurst's value is pretty much right on par with DeAndre Hopkins value if you're looking (laughs) at trade which which is mind-blowing uh Hurst went to the Atlanta Falcons from the Ravens along with this a fourth round pick in exchange for a second and a fifth round selection so Atlanta Falcons, they lose Austin Hooper to the Browns. They add Hayden Hurst, which is, I think, a solid move by them. I do, too. It just seems like a lot to give up. I mean, the fourth, fifth swap, fine. The Falcons had an extra two from the Sanu to Patriot trade. They had a massive need at tight end. And I've been saying for a while, I mean, this offseason, having a tight end need is doom. I mean, you're not going to get your guy. I mean, Hooper aside, Henry's not going anywhere. It's not a first-round type of year for tight ends. Like, you're going to have to overpay for guys. And I think they did. I mean, I don't think it's a terrible move by Atlanta. They still have their first. They still have a second to address defense or whatever. And they certainly wanted a tight end. I just don't know if Hurst is good or not. 
and he's an overage prospect. He was in the Pirates minor league system for a couple of years. I think he's already 27 years old. But they had to do something, and you have to overpay for tight ends. But from Baltimore's perspective, I love it. I mean, he was their third tight end, and yes, they use a lot of tight ends. But that's a 14-2 and two team now with an extra second-round pick, an extra third-round pick, Michael Brockers and Calais Campbell. Like, hmm. They already have Brandon Williams there, too, in Baltimore. Right. They're the next team up alphabetically, which is perfect here, so we can talk about them. Uh, they've added Matt Skura, Matt Judon's on the franchise tag, and then the big Calais Campbell trade, and then they added Michael Brockers for a three-year, $30 million deal. So Brockers still going at an advanced stage, getting 10 mil per year, still playing at a pretty high level. Brandon Williams already in-house. I mean, they, they apparently wanted some more size up front, and they have it. Well, I think it's actually kind of the opposite. I don't mean to dispute you, but they've always had the Brandon Williams, Michael Pierce, 390-pound giant human beings in the middle. And I think they're going to move on from Pierce, keep some of that beef. But for them, Brockers is kind of a light defensive tackle. <laughs> yeah, I see what 310 you pounds Yeah, like more of a five-techniques style <laughs> right, defensive right. end zone. He can yeah. actually run a little bit and... Campbell and him will probably be the interior pass rushers on third down where they didn't have a lot of those types. So I think they're actually getting more athletic in their front when you judge it against Michael Pierce. When I first saw this move, I went to see, and Michael Pierce is the one that's probably on the outs here, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, Brandon Williams, I was thinking, oh man, are they going to cut Brandon Williams? Because I know he signed a pretty big deal a couple of years ago, but it's not a situation where he can be cut right now, maybe next year. But if he's a part-time player with how much money he's making, with what you just laid out there with uh, maybe Campbell and Brockers rushing from the interior, uh, that's not looking like a great contract. As good of a run defender and as good right. of a player as Brandon Williams is, I mean, he's awesome. But uh, in that base, you still have that big body, 300, and I don't know how big he is, he's like 350 pounds. And Brandon Williams is a freak of nature. And then you have Campbell, Brockers, I mean, you still have some size there, but, uh, you know, older guys, too, in their 30s, Brockers and Campbell, you don't really think of them as adding athleticism to your defensive line, but when you put it that way with those guys rushing from the interior, they actually (laughs) did, even though they have some size. uh, Relatively speaking, yes, (laughs) and (laughs) maybe they would trade Brandon Williams, cut him. I I think that they've spent a lot lately, and they're going to have to be kind of quiet at this point. Like I said, they have five picks in the first three rounds, Um, but boy, I mean, Linville Joseph, Snacks Harrison, there is a glutton of former nose tackle types on the on the market right now that nobody's biting on. The Buffalo Bills made a move. They have added a wide receiver themselves. They acquired Stephon Diggs in a trade from the Minnesota Vikings. They got a seventh-round pick back, a bunch of picks going the other way, which, again, illustrates how bad of a trade the DeAndre Hopkins move was for Houston not getting enough back for him. Stephon Diggs, who most people would agree is not quite at DeAndre Hopkins level as a wide receiver right now in the NFL. Both have right. contracts that, you know, uh, that veteran contracts that pay him a little bit of money. So that's it's not like a money situation you're saving here by going for digs instead of Hopkins. First round pick, fifth round pick, sixth round pick and a fourth round pick in 2021. So a lot of extra late rounders to go with that 2020 first round pick. I believe it's the 22nd pick overall going to the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. And. I feel like these organizations are going different directions. You know, like I don't think the Vikings are going to be six and 10 or anything like that, but I think they're making a little bit of a youth movement, taking a step back. Maybe their first picks now in the first round are a corner and a wide out. And you start to address those needs through the draft a little bit, get younger and take a little bit of a step back. And cousins is still there. And Diggs was unhappy. So, okay, you got a nice haul. And I heard a lot of people saying, 
wow, Buffalo really overspent for Stefan Diggs. And my retort to that was, if you didn't just see the Hopkins deal an hour ago, you wouldn't say that. You know, I mean, <laughs> right. if this happened a week ago, you'd be like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, you hear, and, okay, Diggs yeah. might get traded. Yeah, it's probably going to take a first rounder. And, and maybe yeah. they held the Bills' hand over the coals a little bit with asking for those extra late round picks. But uh, to me, this also says, look, the Bills were picking at 22nd in the first round. They just gave up that pick for Diggs. They obviously don't feel as strongly about this wide receiver class because one of those wide receivers is going to be there, but it just wasn't going to be one of those most likely top three tier wide receivers that everyone seems to love this year. Right, right. And they're in it to win it. The The, the Pats are vulnerable. Um, everyone, a lot of people are going to pick the Bills to win that division. So they were, they were a slow build each you know step of the way, and now they're being a little more aggressive. And to your point, I mean, so many mocks had them taking uh, Chenault or Denzel whomever. Names, you know, yeah. yeah, tons of names there. The T. Higgins, whomever. And I'll take I'll take Diggs over all them if I'm in it to win it right now. And yep. he's the route runner to be the, the kind of middleman between um, Brown and Humphreys. You know, so, it, no, the other slot receiver's up there. Not Humphreys. He's yeah. in Tennessee, but... You know what I'm talking about. And you take the guesswork out of it. You don't have to spend the time developing. You get a player now that's ready to go. Bills have to be the favorites, especially with the Brady news in the NFC East now. So I actually like that move. And now the Vikings have that pick where they can go attack that that uh, wide receiver need if they want to, or they can go a number of other ways because the mm -hmm. Vikings do have some needs right now. Okay, uh, let's come back. There's another massive trade we've got. Last to get note, I'm sorry. I keep oh, sure. doing this to no, you. But right. the, the Bills also had a lot of extra picks. And it's getting to the point where their roster can't afford 11 new guys on it. That's a great point. And, and that's another reason it was like, look, we have these extra picks. Let's utilize them. Let's, let's slam dunk this thing, get it done. And then we'll go into the draft, you know, with a clear mind, draft some good players, whatever, at whatever position, but we have this thing locked up at wide receiver. Okay. Yeah. More trades, more, uh, we'll have to go super rapid fire to get some into some of these other moves. This is going to have to go over the next couple of days. Yeah. Too much so. to deal with the one show. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah, we're we're going to be talking about this throughout the whole off season. I think. So we've got to get this in. Let's let's skip the alphabetical order thing and just go to the the next big trade because we've got to cover it. And it was the Indianapolis Colts sending a first round pick to the San Francisco 49ers number 13 overall pick for the right to sign DeForest Buckner to a $21 million per year contract. And the Colts aren't screwing around. Buckner is a player that I think the 49ers would have not let go if it wasn't for that type of comp compensation. The Niners had a free agent in-house that they had to pick between Eric Armstead or DeForest Buckner, both really tall, really big defensive linemen. They weren't going to be able to pay everybody in San Francisco. So they said, look, we can pay less to keep Eric Armstead in-house, who can play some end, who can play some defensive tackle in nickel for us, who had a fantastic year. We can get a first-round draft pick back and then also get some, you know, with, get some cap space and... DeForest Buckner ends up in Indianapolis. Uh, I talked a lot about this on my podcast this morning for Locked On 49ers. I'm interested to hear your take, Matt, on this deal from both sides. Yeah, and I like it. I mean, Armstead had a great year. They're very similar players, you know, back-to-back first-round picks, Oregon, same position, same dimensions, you know. But I think Buckner's the better player, in my opinion. I mean, more proven, I guess, is a better way of putting it. I trust him more. And if I'm the Colts, as good a spot as that is, I mean, maybe you could get Kinlaw at 13 or something like that. 
I'll take Buckner all day long over those guys for where they are, and they're kind of in that Bills win now window and really needed an impact defensive lineman. I knew that was a high priority for them, and a lot of Colts people told me that in Indy. Well, they got them, and I, I'm not sure if this is a direct situation. You'd know better than I would, but San Francisco then locked up Jimmy Ward, who's an important piece. I mean, I'm not sure if this trade helped that along or not. And what's interesting to me, and I'm sure you're going to have a blast with this, is – 13th pick in the draft, what's San Francisco going to do? Is that going to be Jerry Judy? Is it going to be C.D. Lamb? I mean, it's going to be somebody good on what might be the best roster in the league already that's devoid of needs. And that was a huge key in this for the 49ers because the 13th pick is even different than if we were talking about they were getting a pick in the 20s because they're locked into mm -hmm. a fantastic player, one of those true first-round grade type of players. And you mentioned the wide receiver position. The big three free agents the 49ers had were Armstead, Jimmy Ward, and Emmanuel Sanders. And it looks like Emmanuel Sanders is hitting the open market. I think there's still going to be some conversation there, but they might have said, look, now we have the pick to replace Sanders, get another stud wide receiver to go with Debo Samuel. We were able to lock up the other two free agents we have, and they could go defensive line to to straight up replace DeForest Buckner if they want. I think they, they are probably okay on, on the defensive line. They could go into maybe some of those budget second-wave free agents that we mentioned, some of those veterans that might want to go to San Francisco to a Super Bowl contender on a short-term deal to replace him in the short term there. So there's a lot of ways they can go, but you're locked into that 13th pick now in the draft, which is a fantastic place to be. And right now the odds-on favorites, I think, for that selection have to be Lamb, Judy, rugs and it might depend on who the teams in front of them are drafting and who's left over for the Niners at 13. Yeah let's get to some other things but I also think it's noteworthy and I'm sure you brought this up a million times too I mean the Niners really only had pick 31 on the first two days and now yes. they're you know back in the back in the game right yeah some youth, and you, you know, can right? utilize that that draft capital that you got from DeForest Buckner you could also trade back and continue to add mm -hmm. capital there and just really help yourself so a win-win for these teams and the Colts really going for it which makes me think man Brady to the Colts is, is I don't think that's something we should squash yet either because if the, the way they're going for it right now it's like let's just load up whatever we can I don't know if you could talk Brady into going to Indianapolis but I'm just throwing that out there because they still haven't well, locked up their quarterback yet I've been hesitant to bring this up but at 101 Eastern and Tuesday there's an awful lot of speculation that Brady's going to Tampa oh is that okay so it's looking I mean, more and more like that might be a right done now. deal okay yep I love how this happens, too, because people get inklings of things. And there was a rumor yesterday about the Diggs trade before the big announcement happened. There was rumors about mm -hmm. the 49ers making a big trade and people were thinking, oh, it's Diggs or the 49ers are bringing in somebody. No, it was a shocker. They're actually sending away one of their best players into Forrest Buckner. So this is so fun to see how the rumors swell and then boom, something explodes and something happens. And really, for me, I mean, a welcomed escape right from what's going on in the world and what's going on with a lot of people who are social distancing and, and self-quarantining it's it's kind of nice that the NFL was able to go ahead with free agency yeah and by no means do I think I'm a difference maker in this world or anything but I'm so happy that because of everyone so shut in and there's no sports that our podcast and the whole locked on network and all the podcasts out there and all this coverage can be some kind of diversion for people and I just hope that you and I are helping a little you know absolutely I agree there and uh, I would love to hear from you guys on Twitter at BD Peacock hit Matt up at Williamson NFL we'll still do a Twitter Thursday I think this week maybe we'll have to push it to Friday if there's too much news to get to but we will incorporate Twitter and all the listeners and a big shout out to all the listeners out there and I hope everyone is feeling well and staying safe two more quick we only have a couple minutes here Matt but two deals we have to at least briefly talk about uh 
the big money contracts that started to happen yesterday on the free agent market. That was Byron Jones, cornerback, going from Dallas to the Miami Dolphins, making him the highest paid corner in the NFL. It looks like I don't see the exact details, something like sixteen and a half million, I think, which which isn't he's like top three or four contracts. Yeah, maybe not as much as as it was rumored to actually be. If I'm looking at the numbers now and seeing sixteen and a half, maybe he's not at the top top of the market like we thought. And then Amari Cooper staying in Dallas for a hundred million dollar contract. He seems very comfortable there. They love him. 20 million ish a year for Amari. Okay. I mean, he came in a league really young. Him and Dak had instant chemistry. They're in it to win it. They lost Jones. Uh, you know, that offense should be great next year in Dallas. And the defense needs a lot of work. I think that'll be the draft. Um, Miami, just a year ago, you know, the Raiders had three first round picks. They treated, traded Cooper, they traded Mack. I like the way Miami's building a heck of a lot more than I like the way the Raiders were a year ago. You know, they're bringing in linemen. I know Eric Flowers was a laughing stock, but played really well at guard last year, and they need every starter they can get. Seems like a bit of a discount for Jones. I know that sounds crazy, but he's really, really good. And between him and Howard, they may have, you know, Patriot lockdown man corners and it's kind of enticing. I mean, they have all these first-round picks. I mean, Miami could get respectable pretty quick. They finished the season well. I'm starting to really have a lot of faith in that staff, especially the head coach. And you talk about the way they're trying to build things in Miami. Kyle Van Oy coming over now from the Patriots to the Dolphins, yeah. too. Obvious fit there uh, in, in that guy scheme. Too. Yeah, culture guy. So they're they're utilizing their free agent asset and, and their money to, to go after players and then they've got a bunch of draft assets as well to go after players and I think that's the way you want to rebuild and people will crush teams for tanking but it's kind of the smart thing get it done quicker bring in a new culture bring in players bring in draft picks and and get it going and we'll see who that quarterback is going to be in Miami too in the coming month or so so uh, it yeah, should be a and- lot of fun and there, there's a ton more to get to Matt we we, we yeah. kind of got to end this thing uh, there's a number of players I want to talk about, a number of teams we'll continue to get into tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week, and I'm sure there will be a ton of big news after we hit stop here on this podcast that we'll get into tomorrow right here, Locked on NFL.